You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, everyone. Today, we've got Matthew Gunnan, who is the CEO slash co-founder at Esports One, which is the first real-time fantasy platform that makes watching esports competitive. Matt, how's it going? It's going right. Great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So I want to talk about kind of your gaming background first. So what games have you played? What games do you still play right now? So what I play right now is fairly limited. It's anything that uh, you can kind of just like zone out on. And, you know, it might just be just a, you know, a random like Minecraft dungeons or, you know, just something that, you know, just kind of kind of take your mind away from things, kind of just unwind. But I mean, I play League, League of Legends, Overwatch, you know, Valorant more so kind of the competitive esports titles and uh but yeah i'm a long time league of legends player so i've been playing for about 10 years now so i would always say that's kind of that goes back uh back a long way so cool so let's talk about the company i mean what do you guys do how do you guys make money yeah so we're a fantasy esports platform like like you mentioned we look at fantasy as a whole as you know when it's applied to esports it's very what's been built to date is is very antiquated and is very much built for a different type of audience and a different type of fan you know that is more kind of keen to traditional sports you have kind of the daily fantasy platforms you have traditional fantasy that you know are focused on an experience that isn't really the same as esports and the comparison we use is you look at kind of you know your typical fan that watches football they're not actually football players they don't play football regularly but when you look at that in, within esports, you know, 90, 95% of the fans are actual players of the sport, esport that they're watching. And so when it comes to fantasy, we're basically making it much more gamified, much more, you know, centric to playing a game in itself. And that's how we really see fantasy as a whole. And we make money, you know, through virtual currencies. We built our own virtual currency, you know, economy that, you know, starts to kind of tie in through gamification, allows users to you know, come to esports one and they don't really have to like deposit $50 and pick and choose what fantasy contest they want to compete in. They can either just play for fun, play for free, or they can actually buy and, and, you know, exchange virtual currency that they can earn while playing fantasy. And that is how they actually make money. And we take basically a percentage of, you know, anytime those contests are going on. Got it. So what would be like, I'm trying to visualize this. Let's say it's like a Fortnite competition. I'm just making things up. And then I want to bet on, I don't know, Booga, right? Like I, I know a traditional kind of NFL fantasy or any of these types of like fantasy football or basketball, you're picking a team out. There's a draft and all that, right? So how does it work here? How do I pick who I want to kind of bet on? Yeah. So you're still, you're not picking, you know, we don't think traditional fantasy is really going to, is really applicable to esports. We see it as, as much more, you know, you're picking your lineup every day. You're picking your players either every day or every week. And we're also adding in kind of elements within the game. So not only are you picking, you know, a five, so for League of Legends, for example, you know, they have five players that play against five other players. And they have like a top laner, a jungler, like they have all these, these different positions. And so our users will select from a roster that's within that league. They will select what players they want to be on their lineup within a salary restriction. So we set kind of a restriction based on the, the contest and then we assign a value to each player. So you could think like the salary cap is you know $200,000 
and every player will range from you know ten thousand dollars to eighty thousand, and then you build a lineup with that. And where we start to kind of innovate on just the building of the lineup, and this is only one facet of it, is we start to incorporate some of the elements that are within the game itself. You know, you start to you know pick what characters are going to be played, and then you assign that to a player. And if that player plays that character, they get you know they get bonus points. You can start to make add in you know, predictions during the game, who will get the first kill, what, you know, objectives will be taken. And we start to make it a little bit more, you know, we see kind of traditional fantasy is just a lot more of a crapshoot. It's a lot more, you know, if you look at kind of the stats, the top two, 3% of people that play, you know, daily fantasy, you know, they win 90 plus percent of the pots. And for within esports, like imagine that was your experience playing Fortnite is every time you came into a game, you know, there was only 2% of the people that you're playing against always won and you were constantly being killed. Well, we look at fantasy in the same way of making it just a lot more, you know, geared towards the actual fans themselves. And so that's where we add in these elements. The underlying kind of skeleton of fantasy is still there. You know, the building of the lineup, the picking, you know, within a salary cap, where we see the kind of innovation really going is you start to start to add in these components that are really more, you know, keen to just what gamers enjoy and that's that ties back in the gamification the achievements the missions and that's how we really see fantasy going it's like a, an esport you know of itself got it so i think a better way for so for me to is to not compare this to fantasy football or fantasy basketball it's probably a better version of like a fan duel or draft kings right you guys are yeah much absolutely much- yeah. Okay. Makes sense. And so I guess, what are you seeing? I mean, with the, you know, esports is continuing to trend upwards, right? And I, I guess, what are you seeing right now? What kind of numbers can you share around how the business is doing? It could be growth rates, employee size, that type of stuff, whatever you're comfortable sharing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have, you know, we built kind of an ecosystem within esports one where, you know, one of the first things we focused on is building, you know, going to where gamers spend most of their time and starting to kind of build the tools and the, uh, you know, kind of the resources for them and starting to build kind of, you know, we take a very much a community first approach. And so, you know, we looked around and, and kind of focused on, all right, where do gamers spend most of their time? Where do gamers, you know, how can we go to that audience? And, you know, all, you know, signs pointed to Discord. And so we focused on really building kind of that community around Discord, really starting to build app. You know, we built one of the largest esports spots on Discord that allows us to, you know, acquire not only users on our server, which, you know, is a server with, you know, thousands of users, but also other servers can install this bot on, you know, wherever they are. And then that allows us to have this entirely new acquisition, you know, kind of uh, method that we do through Discord. That has allowed us to keep our retention, you know, fairly high. And so we retain, you know, day 28, day 30, we're sitting at around 65, 71% of retention for new users that are signing up on the platform. Additionally, users spend, you know, on average about an hour or so on Esports One. And that's from not only just setting your lineup, but also kind of the other, you know, tools that we kind of, we provide them. We built out this massive stats and data database. Like we provide all the research tools. You know, when we look at fantasy, you know, we don't want a user going to Esports One and then having to go to three, four other websites to research their team, research the players, you know, figure out who they want to pick you know, all these other, you know, elements that come with playing fantasy, either on a competitive or a social, you know, construct. And so we want to keep our users on our platform. And so we've been able to grow, keep a very steady growth rate over the past, you know, six months, you know, ranging from, 
you know, 20%, 40%, you know, monthly, it kind of varies depending on, you know, if, you know, the leagues are active and, and whatnot, but our core KPIs, we focus on obviously on, on, you know, on growth, but more importantly than that is the retention, you know, early on for us, we want our, we want the users that are coming back to esports one, you know, we want to make sure that they're, you know, they're staying with us and that they're enjoying the product. They're enjoying, you know, the experience as a whole. And so we do a lot of the things early on that probably that won't really scale. Like when it comes to, you know, talking to as many users, you know, uh, as possible one-on-one to, you know, every person in the company does live support. You know, we're probably one of the only fantasy platforms that has, you know, real-time chat, you know, on the website where you can, you know, chat with someone from eSports one, basically 24 hours a day. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, our growth has remained steady and we only support one game title right now as well. So as we start to, you know, add additional game titles, we see that to, you know, to ramp up even more. Got it. And which game is that right now? Right now it's League of Legends. And then we'll, you know, we'll start to add Valorant next and then Call of Duty and, and Rocket League will be kind of our next three or so. Got it. So it sounds like Discord's a nice channel for growth and maybe even a retention mechanism too. And I'd imagine word of mouth is pretty good on this. What else is working for you in terms of growth? So the biggest thing that we found early on that kind of goes back to kind of my hit, where I would say, you know, my strengths are is related around kind of content and marketing. And, and we focused on SEO and to do so, you know, we kind of started work looking at what are the kind of the keywords within esports and fantasy that we could start to target. And, you know, that there's kind of a gap. And since we already have a domain that's esports1.com, it helped us, you know, really kind of move up into the rankings. And so, you know, we get probably 45% of our users come from just organic search, you know, on Google. We rank number one, you know, for, you know, a majority of, you know, the, you know, combinations of esports, fantasy, fantasy esports, you know, and so on. And so we see a lot of, you know, acquisition just, you know, organically and yeah, word of mouth helps, but it's largely a combination of Discord, Google search, and then, you know, and then we partnered with a number of brands within esports and that also helps with acquisition. Got it. So now I want to talk about Clubhouse. So, you know, pre-show, we were talking about how you do a room more or less maybe every night or so. And I want to talk about kind of, you know, what you see in Clubhouse, what you've been doing there, because I can say for me, you know, the first two months out of the year, I was spending maybe 30 to 40 hours a week on it. So it started to get pretty unhealthy. Now I've tapered it down to about four to five hours a week. So now my priorities are back in sync. So I guess, how are you looking at it? I did the exact same thing. So I had the exact same problem of spending, you know, and the thing with Clubhouse. So I started, you know, I'm sure we were kind of came or joined the app around the same time. You know, I was, uh, you know, joined kind of, it wasn't, I wasn't like the first, you know, group, but it was still back when it was on, uh, what's the Apple development where you have to install. Yeah. Test flight. So back when it was on test flight and, and you had to install it from there. And so I, right when they opened up clubs, they didn't have clubs originally. As soon as I did, I, you know, I applied to get the esports club set up. And so I, I got the esports club set up. It allowed me to get about 20 or so invites. And so I started just inviting a bunch of people I worked with that were in within esports. And early on, I focused on, all right, this could be a new resource for, you know, just helping esports grow, like helping bring more attention. Because everyone that I'm speaking with on the platform on Clubhouse, you know, during the early days, they were largely no one knew what esports was. And I would, I mean... I would probably say there when I joined, there wasn't anyone within the industry, sports industry on the platform at that point. And so it allowed, you know, not only myself and, and for, you know, my company to find like this new, 
you know, way to kind of just like bring attention, you know, to ourselves and kind of bring awareness, but also to help, you know, foster a, a growing environment for the esports industry. And so we started to really look at, you know, what can we do to help better, you know, this industry that I've been in for 15 years. And a lot of that was around kind of the, you know, the diversity inclusion side of it, you know, bringing more attention to, to people of, of all races and colors and sexualities, being able to you know, feel comfortable coming into an, a room and talking about their experiences. And, and it kind of gave a new outlet for a lot of that. And I think that was sort of the, you know, the onus early on and still today, you know, that kept me kind of glued to, to Clubhouse, you know, every day because I felt that it was actually doing something for esports. And I, I believe it did. And then from there, we've, you know, we've just started to grow kind of our, you know, grow the presence on Clubhouse, having more shows, whether it's related to voiceover acting. We had recently, we did Spanish and esports. So it's all, you know, Spanish speaking discussions. We do those every week. Like we have, you know, women in esports, you know, and, and a lot of these type of just different shows, it's just helped foster just a new a new community, like a new kind of just a new community. And I, for one, I don't know if you've had kind of the same experience. I've, I've made, you know, relationships, connections that I never, you know, I never imagined that I would get these sort of results from Clubhouse, just the people that I've been able to meet and, and start to work with. And yeah, so, I mean, I've toned down the time I spend on it, but I also see it as sort of like, I'm not very good at Twitter. Like, I'm just not very good at Twitter. I never have been. But I'm good at, you know, I can ramble on about things for, you know, for hours on end. And I feel like I, you know, I feel like Clubhouse, you know, provides sort of just a new form of, uh, you know, have you tried the new Twitter, you know, Twitter Clubhouse space. competitor? Yeah, yeah, I've logged in a couple of times. Yeah. Do you think that's going to be better than Clubhouse? Do you think I, like I think the, the problem with, so I, I love Clubhouse, but I, I think to me, it's a feature, right? I think, you know, Facebook's obviously copied them as well. I think, you know, whoever has the users at the end of the day, they can just roll out any feature and, and cut the legs out from under Clubhouse. So I'm hoping that, you know, the time we spend in Clubhouse doesn't go to waste. So I hope. They, yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Twitter Spaces looks interesting to me. So Again, I mean, but I feel like everyone's going to start to build out this feature. So, right. Yeah. It's just, it's just a, yeah, it's just a matter of time. And, yeah, you know, and Twitter has the feature set, kind of the cool little, you know, uh, integrations with Twitter and whatnot. So, you know, we'll see. But yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, hopefully Clubhouse continues to grow. And it's done a lot for myself, for my business, and I believe for esports as well. Do you think, I mean, from like, it sounds like what it's done for you is really you've connected with influential people in the gaming world. And, you know, from a kind of partnerships perspective, it's been helpful, but also just having those relationships, right? Well, it's allowed. So the thing, like I was in a room yesterday that wasn't esports related. It was all, you know, it was basically every night there's like a new startup pitch, you know, room where people are pitching their startups. And I was brought up on stage, not that someone to pitch, but someone that kind of just like, they had all these investors on stage that were giving, you know, investor feedback, but there was no one on the startup side, on the other side of the table that was kind of pushing back whenever VCs were asking questions that, you know, I've kind of experienced, whether it's, you know, drilling someone on, you know, telling them what valuation they're raising at and stuff. And so I came up on stage and I started basically taking the side of these founders that were pitching and kind of just advising them on, Hey, like, make you know, these just little small things while they're pitching. And after that, I mean, I've connected with, you know, eight or nine people that reached out afterwards that do, you know, all these, have all these different companies and businesses and, you know, within not esports, but just within these ecosystems that esports as a whole could take advantage of. Like one of them is related to health and nutrition. One of them is related to like skincare for men, which is an actual pretty big issue in esports. They had no idea that that was a problem. They had no idea. Like they didn't think esports. They're trying to build a startup around skincare for men, you know. And they didn't even think about gaming and esports being an option. And now this is like 
and there aren't any companies that are really doing that in this space. And so I think that's what Clubhouse has done. The biggest thing for myself and as well as the industry I'm in is it's allowed us to kind of open up and start to bring in these new, you know, these new waves of innovation into the industry and not just be solely reliant on the game publishers to build the foundations for innovation, but to start looking at these sort of third, you know, these other sources of, you know, companies, of organizations, of tools that can start to help esports grow. And, and that's what I've, that's the biggest thing I've gotten out of this, just starting to meet people outside of esports that can help our industry grow. Got it. I love that. Cool. So I think, look, I, I'm going to continue to spend time in Clubhouse, just not as much. And I think it's probably the same for you. I think it's here to stay. And so just a little touch points, right? You get to quickly decide whether you know, like, and trust someone. So I want to talk about something else that's fun that you probably talked about on Clubhouse too, but NFTs, you know, where are you with NFTs? How do you see this all playing out? So if you, yeah. So whenever NFTs are brought up in an esports room, uh, everyone knows that that is basically my obsession right now. That is I was actually thinking about it the other day and I was, you know, thinking like there hasn't been a new technology, whether it's blockchain like Bitcoin, but even even just like, you know, anything related to like new development, you know, no code or, you know, just like new development kind of code bases that has basically had me so just glued to researching, digging in, like really understanding what this can do and what the possibilities are as NFTs have. And so I've spent the past probably three or four you know, months understanding every element of NFTs. And as an engineer coming from engineering, like there are a lot of things that I didn't understand, but I knew if I spent enough time, what I could learn. And what I see, the thing with NFTs is what we've seen with like Top Shot and some of these other platforms that are based around the people, you know, the 70 million, $69 million sale of art there. You know, those forms of NFTs, I don't, you know, believe are going to really work within esports. I don't think there's going to be enough value in just purchasing something that's more sentimental or something that's more graphics based or arts or video highlight. It's going to be more about the utility of NFTs. It's going to be a lot more about what can you attach to NFTs that add additional value or add additional access or you know incentivizes gamers and users. The thing that just to kind of uh, you know say quickly is the game publishers have already basically all the big game publishers you know they're not going to be supporting NFTs for you know quite a while I don't believe you know three four years and so there's going to be a lot and that means you know you're you're going to have a hard time building any sort of you know game title NFTs that might be of a character or, or even one of their pro players because they will just they you know they won't allow it. So you have to look at what are the other forms of NFT, you know, capabilities and utilities are, are what we envision, you know, that being. And so one way we're looking at doing this is on the NFT front, it's allowing users to basically buy NFTs as like a premium service, premium subscription. So if you own a certain type of NFT that, you know, would give you access to, you know, certain features or certain, you know, discord channels, and then you can essentially be doing things for, you know, if you own that NFT to increase its level, start to add gamification into it where, you know, increase the value or kind of the properties of that NFT over time. And that ties back to fandom that ties back to, you know, like what you can do on various sort of fantasy platforms, or, you know, like you'll start seeing teams start to release their own NFT is basically a membership token. And that gives you access to all these different giveaways. And, and so that's where our focus is, is looking at how we can start to incorporate the utility of these tokens 
and bring that to esports, but more more specifically fantasy esports, start to create what we're calling kind of fantasy as a service. And I think that's an exciting part for where NFTs are going. It's you know you run into a lot of the kind of there's a lot of still issues on the tech side right now that still have to be tackled. But the people we're talking to and working with, you know, on the back end, we see some of those issues related to like gas prices and just the cost of minting NFTs and scalability. You know, those things are will soon kind of be an afterthought in you know a couple of months, and and that's where you'll start to see it really take off within esports. Wow, amazing! And so, where can people go learn? I mean, how have you been researching about NFTs? It's just for the beginner right now, where can they go kind of research? So, best honestly, the best way is to go to our clubhouse website. We have a whole section on NFTs. There's a bunch of them out there. If you just go to esportsclub.house, then there's a section on NFTs that, that are in there but um, under resources, I believe. But there's also, there's a, I don't know if you've heard of like awesome list on GitHub, which are like all the different collections of different resources across all these different categories and businesses and industries. And, and someone recently put together this awesome list uh, for NFTs. So if you just go on GitHub and, and search for awesome list and then NFTs, there's a whole collection of just all of these different resources and it's open source. So anybody can contribute to it. So I would suggest that as well as our clubhouse page. Yeah. So the clubhouse page is esportsclub.house slash NFTs. And then there's all the resources on there. I actually just, I didn't even notice that Mark Cuban wrote a blog post. I thought he hadn't blogged for years. So that's fascinating. Yep. Okay, great. That's cool. And I'm just curious, do you have any crypto punks? So I don't No, Never got in one. Almost did early on, but I've gotten more into like checking out like Decentraland. I have a couple of top shot highlights, but yeah, no crypto punks. Got it. Do you think you'll ever get one when the price drops? I don't know if the price will. I mean, I don't know. Do you have one? Well, I or almost bought some. So it dropped. I mean, a couple of weeks ago at the 26. So oh, I was okay. like, should I, should I buy it at 26? And then like, I couldn't justify it yet. So it'll probably stay yeah. right on my side. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, if it keeps going down, maybe, maybe I will. We'll see. I don't know. Like for me, I mean, so and that's that goes back to the whole like NFT and like Top Shot things. A lot of people are buying these items, these NFTs as an investment. And if that's, it's going to be much harder to do within esports. Like you look at those sort of things, you're not buying it for any other reason than you know you want to own it with the hope that it's going to turn around and be worth more money so that you can sell it. Right. I mean, maybe, you know, most, some people have like a different uh, mindset to that and they have a bit more of a sentimental value, but that is sort of the, how I see a lot of kind of the ownership of entities is it's a commodity investment. And until that starts to shift a little bit more to the utility side, that's when esports will start to, you know, take advantage of it. Got it. I love that. All right. Well, let's uh, work towards wrapping up here. Two more questions from my side. What is your favorite business book? So I have a couple of, so I've been reading the last one I've been reading here is, oh, so Infinite Game by Simon Sinek is really good. I'm old schooler. So I go back to kind of the hard things about hard things is a good one. But I started listening to recently the story of Silk Road and I think it's called yeah American Kingpin. Yep. And there's a documentary or there's a movie that came out about it recently too. That is just a fascinating story. So those would probably be the three I've kind of uh, been reading the most. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. Cool. Favorite business tool? So the normal ones, you know, Monday, Notion. I love Coda. I check, I'm a product hunt, you know, geek every day. I'm checking product hunt, Hacker News. I sign up you know, reason my email, I'm constantly having to unsubscribe from mailing lists because I'm always signing up for new apps and they're constantly just sending me, you know, email after email. And so I, you know, there's a couple of them that I've, I've stumbled upon recently. Digits is really good as a financial 
planner for businesses. It's incredibly good. And it's a, they just got backed, I think by Andreessen recently had a, did a big round pitch.com is really good for building out like presentations and doing, you know, decks and, you know, anything, not having to deal with like Google slides. So I use that a good bit recently. And then, you know, Figma, Notion, Coda, you know, the whole kind of whole swath of, uh, of those. And then the last one I'd say is I'm a bookmark kind of, so whenever I, I stumble upon a website and I want to make sure I, you know, can find it again, I don't necessarily save it to Notion. I save it to Raindrop, which is kind of like a, it's a bookmark, just a really easy way to save, you know, to save collections of links and websites. And then I can easily share that with my team. I think there's actually a link on our clubhouse page of uh, that's like a collection of raindrops. So yeah, I would say those are my big ones that I use a lot today. And is that digit.co? Yes. Okay, cool. I'll check that out. You said you use it for business. Yeah. Yeah. It takes, basically it connects to your QuickBooks, all, you know, all of your different kind of, you know, accounting software. And then it not only, you know, notifies you when things kind of look out of sorts, but it, it has all these kind of financial planning things that I, you know, I use there in board meetings. I just pull from digits and, it's, and it makes it just, it basically makes QuickBooks and all the other pieces of, of keeping up with all of your books and numbers and financials. It just makes it much easier and provides information that's actually valuable. It looks like it's both a personal and a business app then. Yeah. Yeah. I think it does. I mean, it does both. I, I connect cool. for both. Amazing. Well, I'm going to, we're going to drop this all into the show notes, but Matt, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? Yeah. So I'm on clubhouse, Matt Gunnan, check out esports one, you know, that's our, we just got esports one on Twitter and Instagram. It was esports one Inc and INC, and we just got both of them recently. So just check out esports one on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, also want to say congrats on the book, by the way, on the book release. Appreciate that. All right, Matt, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks, Eric. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.